Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people who are here to talk to you about Outlander. It's Outlander time. It is. Every episode can be an Outlander episode if you try hard enough, but this episode is actually an Outlander episode. <laughs> yes, we've been waiting for this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've been holding back our opinions, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah, guys, we have said so little. Yeah. You would not even believe how much we could have been saying the last, what, ten weeks? How many yeah. weeks? Something like that. And we didn't say any of it. We only said some of it. Only some. Because <laughs> now we're going to be here to say all of it to you. Yeah. Every last little fucking bit of it. Kirstie, I have a question, though. Oh, Okay. Before we dive in, do you have any updates for Kirstie and Kelsey's Quarantine Corner? Uh, you know, I actually watched very little content this week. I think this is the least amount of content I've engaged with since quarantine. Did you watch any, like, children's programming you want to talk about? <laughs> no, we're on a real Blue's Clues kick, um, oh. which has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks now. What yeah. I will say, here's an update. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I always knew that of of the Blues Clues hosts, which in my canon are only Steve and Joe, I don't recognize Joshua because Joshua appears to be unhinged and also only on YouTube. Mm. But I always knew that between Steve and Joe, the Steve seasons were better. But now we're into the Joe seasons and there's this like, like speaking of unhinged, they just like go the fuck off the rails at some point. Like, the clues all sing. And I don't need the clues to sing and tell me what they are at every single stage of the game. I find it so distracting. And then also, after they, like, solve the clue, Blue goes to this, like, secret room called Blue's Playroom, where she becomes Mm. a giant puppet who talks. No, thank you. And... She has, like, it's very, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Like, she has this, like, toy chest that, like, moves around and talks. And there's a big thinking chair that talks. And they do things that are, like, vaguely adjacent to the episode. But, like, not really. And, like, the one thing that's nice about OG Blue's Clues is that they have a theme. They have a very linear progression through the theme. There's lots of repetition, and it's all very, very simple. There is, like, no fluff. So it's very easy for a small child's busted-ass brain to follow. (laughs) (laughs) But this new version has, like, I honestly could not tell you what a single episode I've watched has been about. That's promising. There are these, like, musical numbers that feel like fever dreams There's an episode where, like, Cinderella is involved, and she comes to visit Blue in Blue's playroom, and she talks about, like, getting married to the prince and whether or not she's going to have a baby. What? And there's an episode where, like, the whole quest of Blue's Clues is to 
is like the legend of the blue puppy to find out what Blue's special gift is. And Blue's special gift turns out to be that she can go to Blue's playroom and talk. Sure. It's all super fucked up. It's way more than I asked for. Would you say that Blue's special gift is like Roger's special gift? Oh, no. Oh, no. You got us there. I did. I mean, I I think that was a valuable update for the people out there. Just watching children's content and doing lots of crafting. I'm still homesteading. You sure are. Yeah, we'll get there, folks. (laughs) We have a whole episode slated to Mm -hmm, discuss it. mm -hmm. Don't you worry. Um, what's my quarantine corner update? Did I talk about Canadian Bake Off yet? No, we haven't. Oh my god, I can't mm. believe we haven't talked about this yet. I thought about this last week. <laughs> so for those listeners in Canada or those listeners with a VPN, Canadian Bake Off, I would rank it above the American version of Bake Off. Definitely yes. still below the original Great British Bake Off. However, seasons one and two have the added benefit of having Dan Levy as the host, one of the Mel's and Sue's, and he's a goddamn delight. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So in addition to enjoying things like Canada-themed week and a lot of, like, maple uh, bakes, you also get him literally serving a purpose of just eating everyone's food and demanding that everyone share their food with him. <laughs> and that's the best. I would like really rank him up there with a melon, a Sue in terms of good hosting on this show, especially season two. He really comes into his own. So what I'm saying is go on CBC. You can stream it all on there and it's, it's pretty good for corn times. I love it. I can't wait to get to it. You're going to really enjoy it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Their tent has Adirondack chairs out front, which is a nifty feature. Oh, my God. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what else? I'm watching Normal People, which Kirsty doesn't want to hear me talk about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That is one of those shows where the more that people on the internet talk about it, the absolute less I understand to it, understand to it, understand about it, (laughs) to a point, is what I was trying to say, that it becomes, like, intimidating to watch because I'm like, "There's there's too many things and they don't make sense and I don't have the space in my life for that right now. I also feel like it's, like, strongly not for you. It, I don't think it's for me. I don't think it's for you. I don't. But there's it's like, like for sure for me in a <laughs> in a lot of ways. Nothing about it has seemed for me yet. No, and that's okay. <laughs> I haven't added it to our air table. It's fine. It's fine. We'll either get there or we won't. Yeah, but <laughs> if if you out there identify as a Kelsey, not a Kirsty, go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that is all i will say about that for now mm-hmm. so anyway mm-hmm. 
that's been our edition of Kirstie and Kelsey's Quarantine Corner, all Ks. Yeah. <laughs> you ready to get into it now? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, Outlander ended last night. Yeah. Season five. Season five of Outlander is over. Um, I just got distracted because there's, I'm in an article, um, and there's, like, one of those little pop-up videos in the corner, uh, Uh that's intended to be on, like, your Facebook timeline or whatever, so it's got, like, little subtext over, like, a montage, and it's all about Sam Hewen, and it said something, Mm -hmm. it, it said something about, like, Outlander Sam Hewen, and then the next line of text came up, and it said, like his character in the show, Sam Hewen is also Scottish. So, I, I got distracted. <laughs> it's fine. Mm. It's totally fine. So, we're going to talk about the whole season. So, there's, like, spoilers, and also, the season was tough, so probably some trigger warnings. It's just an all-around proceed with caution, and don't blame us if you didn't like something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my disclaimer before we get into it. Welcome to a season recap on Hate Watch with us. <laughs> a bind off, if you will. A bind off. Holy shit, it's been so long. Do you need to Google how to do a bind off? <laughs> it's truly like one of my one of my projects. <laughs> been sitting in the basket so damn long. Yep. I forgot what I was doing next. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna bind this shit off for the season. Yes. Bitch, bye. Bye. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. You want to start by just giving the, the overview of what happened this season? Some key narrative arcs? Yeah. Yeah, we can try that. Let's <laughs> attempt that. Should we go by person, kind of? I guess. Or, or by episode. <laughs> I definitely don't have it in me to try to do this shit chronologically. Okay. So we'll loosely talk about people. Okay. I was just going to spitball what I remembered off the top of the old dome here, so. I'm trying to give it a framework. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the editings are... That's <laughs> decided. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with our least favorite duo on this show. I'm gonna just assume you're in this camp with me of Bree and Roger. Yeah. So they're in the past. We knew this. Yeah. <laughs> so they start getting married. That's the first episode, right? I think it's like the second or third episode, but yeah, it's early on. No, it's the first one. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading it. Oh, well, sure. That's one way to do it. Anyway, so they get married, and then there's several episodes of Bree being traumatized by her rapist who got away. He evaded death for like the seventh time. And may or may not know about her child and may or may not be coming after them. And then 
Roger has his own identity crisis because he's not from that time and <laughs> he's an intellectual, so he has no skills. And Jamie judges him because he has no skills and it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's constant like passive aggressive shade and how useless Roger is is just uh-huh. absolutely beautiful. warranted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie is all of us a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh what happens with them after that? I mean, that's like pretty much it. They just kind of like wander around the ridge and are part of all of the ridge happenings. There's We'll get to it when we do the Jamie stuff, but um, there's some nonsense with the Redcoats and the Regulators that's supposed to set the stage for the Revolutionary War, and so Roger basically just, like, runs around nipping at Jamie's heels, being like, I can be a soldier! Yeah. And then it goes poorly for him, and he meets up with some people he's related to, and, like awkwardly makes the husband think he's hitting on the wife um which strangely enough was much weirder in the book um yeah roger made weirder choices about it in the book so it was a lot more understandable (laughs) in the book um yeah but anyway he like hugs the wrong woman and his like couple times great-grandfather um hands him off to the redcoats and he gets low-key hung yeah um and almost dies, but wouldn't you know it, they find him in the nick of time, and Claire does her magic doctor stuff, and so now he's alive. But he can't sing anymore. <laughs> he lost his gift. <laughs> he lost his special gift. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my opinions out of this. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was his only uh, sense of identity, and so yeah. that made him a sad boy for a while. Um, yeah. But then no one could really focus on that for too, too long because Bonnet eventually came for Brianna. Yeah. Um, so then we had to, like, save her, and that was the whole thing. Yeah. Good news, and though. And then... Yeah? Bond is dead. Yeah, but Roger didn't kill him. <laughs> no. After all that. After all that, no. There was literally, like, seven separate scenes of, like, I'm gonna be the one to do it. They literally had a whole episode where, like, the entire narrative framework was just different men being like, I get to do it. (laughs) I'm her dad, so I should do it. Well, I'm her husband, so I should do it. (laughs) Like, all these men trying to reclaim their own fucking honor. Yeah. But no, she done shoots him. She done shoots him. She done shoot him dead. Yep. So now he dead, and she gets to move on with her life yeah and then they try to go back to the future oh yeah yeah they find out that jemmy is also capable of um time travel so they go to the dick rocks and it spits them back out because they were both thinking about home which turns out to be fraser's bridge (laughs) we get no less than three scenes where at least one of them is like I was thinking about home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Cute. we're stuck with them. Yeah. So they're still here. Which, like, honestly, that's, that's not the part I have gripes with. That they're still here? Yeah, that's fine. 
Every time there was a chance to get rid of them, though, I was so happy. (laughs) Yeah, I just wish that we hadn't spent an entire episode getting rid of them for it to be a completely meaningless cliffhanger. And I know that that is not an original thought, and I am not the first or even most interesting person to say that. But it's also (laughs) just like, oh my fucking god, you have wasted so much time of my life for a plot point that is an invention of the show that amounted to jack shit. Uh Uh-huh. Jack shit. (laughs) Speaking of, there's more of that ahead. Yeah, sure is. Uh, who should we tackle next? Um, young Ian's back. Young Ian's back from the That's Mohawk. That's all we know about him for now, but with he's With mysterious back. secrets, yeah. Yes, he has a mysterious secret, and he's a sad, broken boy, um, and he still has his very good dog. Yes, that's the most important part. So he's back, and he's got a lot of feelings, but somewhere deep down inside, he's still the same old Ian, and we're so happy he's here. Also, he's down with time travel. Yes, yes, yeah. That was that was good. I'm mm-hmm. yeah, that's a very good thing. All of the yeah. Ian stuff in the books is like very, very good. Um, I have a lot of feelings about how the books evolve over time. But other than one very large gripe, I have no gripes about Ian in the books. Mm. Ian book stuff was good for me. Good. Yeah. He's he's a good boy, generally. Yeah. The the large gripe that I have about it is not actually about Ian. It's about much broader picture issues. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So Ian's back. Um Marsley and Fergus? Marsley's had like forty five children. Yeah. That's the only way you know that time is passing. Right. <laughs> so that she's pregnant again. I think she has, like, four kids over the course of this season. But she's really had so... Which, like... Unclear. That, that is a thing in the books, that she's just, like, constantly pregnant, and everybody on the ridge is constantly, like, making jokes behind their backs about how they won't stop having so much sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Marsley's the best. Marsley is the best. We don't get enough of Fergus. Fergus's storyline in this season is like, he's kind of a printer now sometimes. Yeah. It makes me sad. Hangs out in the shadows until he has a chance to say, my lord. (laughs) He gets like the worst fucking deal out of all this all the time. I want... A spinoff series. That's the Marsley and Fergus story. I just don't understand why we have to spend so much time with fucking Bree and Roger. Mm-hmm. When Marsley and Fergus are more interesting, and Fergus has been with them longer and is basically, like, their first kid. Yes. Agreed. And we'd never acknowledge that anymore. No. Nope. I was going to save my grapes for later, but... Yes. But <laughs> no, I, al- I also have a tremendous amount of feeling about that. Um, but the Marsley stuff was very good this season. There's an adapted thing they're doing with Marsley that I don't 100% understand yet, 
but I'm also not mad about it only because I want Marsley all the time. Yeah. She's basically learning how to be, like, Claire's apprentice. Yeah. And so she's doing some, like, casual medicinal things. Yeah, she's, like, Claire's resident, basically. Yeah. That's, like, it for them, right? Yeah. All right, who else? Does that just leave Jamie and Claire? Oh, Jocasta. Yeah. Jocasta marries um, Duncan Innes. She doesn't marry Murta. He declares his love, and she's like, the fuck are you doing? You had so much time to do this, and you done it bad, so no, can't marry you. Bye. Yeah. So she marries this other guy, and that's all well and good. Um, And then... Stephen Bonnet's trying to get control of River Run, doing some sneaky lawyer shit um, with that guy from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and anyway, in the midst of all of that, uh, Ulysses ends up killing him. And so that's like a whole drama for River Run. Then Ulysses has to like run away. With Lord John Gray. Yes. We get so many fun surprise Lord John Gray cameos this season. <laughs> It is really fun. He literally has no purpose this season except to just kind of, like, be there every two to three episodes to, like, hand off some convenient plot information. Yeah. Like, and he I'm, really has no business being on Fraser's Ridge. No. And they never bother to explain, like, why he's in South Carolina so frequently since technically he was supposed to be in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, in the books, he is, like, a constant presence, but by letter. Mm. Um, and he sent, he has, like, a little aide who he sends fun little packages to the ridge with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, always sending his, like, little manservant with, like, fun presents for the people at the ridge. <laughs> um, but in in the show, instead of doing letters, they just decided to kind of have him around at all times. <laughs> but like who's mad i'm not mad i love it no that's great i was happy to not ask questions because it's like he's here and at the end of the season he was like oh shoot gotta go back to england because my son is taking over an estate so i gotta teach him how to do that now yep whoops whoops so that was fun yeah um, Marta, he dead. Marta Den died. That's the update there. He was, um, at the center of all of the, uh, actual plot of the season. Uh, he was leading the regulators, which was like a militia, whatever. Um, yeah. and so Jamie had to go to war against him. And, you know, they were all fine with it. Um, and Marta died. Yep. Which is a bummer, but, like, the show couldn't keep him around forever because he died, like, decades ago in the book. Yeah. Or could they? Or could they? <laughs> um, and then Claire and Jamie kind of fuck around on the ridge. Yeah. For quite a while. Yes. Um, they're, like, loosely following the governor's orders to track down Murtaugh, but also not doing that. 
and they get into some hijinks that aren't super relevant, but happen. (laughs) Yeah, there's like, I don't know, they like do, they have hijinks and they have homesteading and um, they go to war and she's a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, and she... Uh, breeds penicillin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she spends a lot of time making penicillin. Yep. And then she spreads medical advice under yeah, a pseudonym. Yeah, Fergus accidentally publishes her in um, the paper. Yeah. Um, and so she starts spreading dangerous medical ideas to all the women folk in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it makes the men folk uncomfortable. Yes. I mean, other than that, she really just, like, spends the whole season being, like, Jamie's sidekick and getting laid. She gets laid. Mm-hmm. A couple times. <laughs> um, but otherwise, they just sort of have their normal, like, the normal Fraser hijinks of like, oh no, we have created an awkward social situation that we must now navigate using our political wiles and our personal connections. And at some point, one of us will be in grave danger and the other one of us will have to use our special skills to save them. Yeah. But we did that like 25 times, approximately. Yeah. So many times. It was a lot of times um, that that various people had near-death experiences, and we had to use our special gifts to save them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then Claire got kidnapped and raped, and that was a bummer. That was a huge bummer. Big, fat bummer. Okay. All right. And then... Yeah, Jamie was a general, and he almost died, too. A couple times. A couple times. Um, the one time he got bit by the rattlesnake, and he came back to life with a hand job, <laughs> Which I just think is noteworthy. <laughs> it's in my Lowe's category. <laughs> the time that she jerked him back to life. I called it the resurrection handjob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he has to kill all the people who raped her. So, anyway. Anyway. Anyway, so that's what happened this season. For those of you keeping track at home who may or may not have read the books, the last four, three, three and a half episodes cover about two full books. Mm -hmm. So if it felt like a lot while you were watching it, it's because, yikes. Yeah. I think our number one gripe as a podcast <laughs> is the powers that be mm-hmm. over at Outlander and the choices that they have made. And that speaks to that in particular. Yes. Because they literally just dicked around for like nine episodes yeah mm-hmm. and then suddenly decided like oh we're gonna just do some plot now it was like they decided that it was time to hang roger and then they were like oh fuck we gotta end this 
and we have to set ourselves up for next season. Shoot, we didn't think this through. I guess we just need to fit 2,000 pages in now. Yeah. The show has, like, a problem with the adaptive choices that they make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of it is... To me, I have not read this book. I've read some of these books, and mm-hmm. I stopped reading these books because I couldn't take it. <laughs> it is hard to get through the books, to be fair. These books lack an editor at a certain point. Yeah. The first one is beautiful, and it's, like, relatively concise, and then it just gets out of control. Yeah, the books are aggressive and from an adaptive standpoint there are aspects of that aggression that are difficult to really rein in and still capture the spirit of what it's doing you know everyone the sort of generous interpretation of it in the fandom is that the books are immersive Mm. um which is true there's a certain there's a certain like stockholm syndrome that you fall into (laughs) when you're when you're stuck in DG's endless narrative where you want to die the whole time, but you're also like, where are we going? Where are we going with this? And then you get to the end of it and you're like, okay, I see your point. Oh my God. But I see your point. I described them as a really good audiobook for while you're driving because you can zone out for like 20 minutes and you wouldn't have actually missed anything. Yes. Oh my God. They're... I easily only took in maybe 40 to 60% of the total word count. Yeah. In the whole time that I read those books. And I've thought about doing a reread because I definitely missed some things. And then I was like, nope, not me. (laughs) Nope. So what I think they like struggle with the adaptation is that there's part of this is like the fandom's a little aggressive. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure to fit all of the things that people want to see or they perceive people want to see. Yeah, the fandom has like a checklist and the the show adjacent people, I think all the way up to the execs, feel accountable to those checklists. Mm-hmm. And it makes for sometimes like not good TV. Yes, exactly. Like... They need to have Ronald D. Moore's attitude, which was like, I understand that the book readers are loyal to the books, but I'm here to make the television show. <laughs> right. Like, the way I see an adaptation is like, here's characters, here's story, kind of pick and choose what you want and make of it what you will. Yes. Some people don't want that. That's fine. (laughs) But we spend a lot of time this season doing very little or doing things that kind of go nowhere and are pointless. Yes. And they're things that could have been taken out. And I don't care if we do things that are, like, mundane. Right. (laughs) As long as it's serving a purpose. Right. The mundane is often what Outlander does best. And that's what a lot of the fandom has been pissed about, especially in these last few episodes, is like, there's been such an aggressive drive to like, do plot, that we miss like the small moments and like, the things that actually make you feel stuff 
which are the mm-hmm. things that Outlander has always been effective at. Yeah, and by always, I mean, like, the first one, maybe two seasons. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. When, by always, I mean when I think about my strong feelings about Outlander. <laughs> yeah. I paint with I a broad brush. I also just think, like, the more that they broaden the universe, the more they lose their, like, purpose and core of, like, what they're trying to achieve. That is like a trillion percent true in the books too yeah that is like that is just inherent i think to the choice that dg made to not keep jamie and Clarice the sole focus for the rest of time and my guess is like she felt like she had to expand the universe in order to keep telling jamie and Clarice's story because she had to like add new elements to it Mm -hmm. but they become a progressively smaller ratio as you go on. And I, what drove me to keep reading was to like find their little bits in the midst of all of the new story. Yeah. But like, I don't want to watch like seven hours of Brie and Roger fucking around. No, not They're literally, the but, <laughs> but also literally, also literally we do get a lot not a lot. We get more Roger Bree sex than I needed. And all of it involves her dad in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally, like, about to have sex, and he's like, well, your dad said I wasn't a good shot. <laughs> It's like, is this the time? Yep. But so on on the note about adaptive choices where like we spend forever on plots that don't matter because DG needed an editor and no one knows how to parse that now. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they left some stuff on the cutting room floor that would have that like it's not plots that I necessarily think were like in terms of all narrative, really important. But, like, in terms of having to spend an entire season with, like, Roger... Yeah. ...would have actually, like, given us something to hold on to. Mm. And same with Bree. Like, in the book, they both had some personal motivations mm-hmm. and some things that they were working towards personally. Okay. And the timing of those things, in certain cases, mattered related to the plot that then happened to them. Hmm. And I, like, I think one of the things in particular we're going to cover next season, and because if we don't, I literally don't understand the point of keeping these two characters around. (laughs) Um, But if it had happened sooner... There would have been some more stakes to some things that happened mm. this season. Okay. There would have been a little bit more emotional pull. Yeah. To some things that happened. Yeah. And it for sure would have made some of the early on Jamie Rogers stuff a lot easier to bear. Mm. And like it would have given you a, a little tiny bit of payoff to some of the Jamie Rogers stuff. 
Mm. Which, like, you get, but it's so artificial. I also just don't give a shit about Rogers. <laughs> no, and so this is the issue. Like, this is the tension, is yeah. I don't give a shit, and this is true with so many book things, I don't actually give a shit. But as long as I was there, meaning in the book, mm-hmm. it was something to work with. And that's the shit that the show is leaving behind. The show mm. seems to have a belief that people do care about Brie and Roger and whoever the fuck yeah. without that stuff. Whereas all of that extra stuff is just the stuff that makes it okay since you're stuck there with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could use some help. They could use some help. Everyone needs a better editor. Yeah. God, no kidding. <laughs> <sighs> so, where, where do we go from here? Uh, should we do our highs and lows? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do you, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Do you want to trade off? What? Do you want to switch off? Okay. I don't know how many highs and lows you have. I have a lot. <laughs> I mean, I kind of have, like, two-ish, but they lead to talking points. Okay. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Okay. So let me, off the top, okay. throw out some that we don't need to talk about in detail. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Marsley as a person. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Just fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Sophie Skelton's accent. Much improved. She's doing better overall. Good job. I also like her a hair. lot of her work. Her wig was really good, and or, I think it's her a wig, not her hair, but who knows. Yeah, it is a wig. Um, I also, I have a, a category that we may or may not get to um, that is, uh, like, petty thoughts. Ooh. And one of my petty thoughts is that... Um, you didn't tell me we were being petty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start thinking about it. I have a petty thoughts section. Oh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. They're much in the spirit of what we're discussing now. But anyway, okay. one of my petty thoughts was that a lot of the cos- costumes this season sucked. But all yep. of Bree's costumes and wigs this season were like top fucking notch. Specifically, her traveling outfit. Mm, to go back so to the future good. was the greatest fucking thing I've maybe seen on this show in a long so time. So good. And the episode before they put her in, like, a, I don't know what, like, the old-timey bodice equivalent of a blazer is, but they put her in one mm. of those that's, like, indigo dyed and some knit arm warmers. Mm. And that shit was good. They let her walk in the woods, and I was like, yeah, girl, you get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was some good shit. It was some good shit. She won, like, the True American Girl Award this season. Uh, excuse me. No. <laughs> Marcy and Fergus had a child named Felicity, an American girl. Okay. <laughs> okay, but it's not like we get to watch Felicity be a revolutionary pioneer. She's literally an infant. Why not? Why not? Because she's an infant, Kelsey. Listen. You're not going to put a a newborn out there to chop wood. She's not going to go tame a horse. (laughs) 
You don't know. <laughs> I didn't see her out there hanging candles with all the women folk. All I'm saying, and put this into your petty fucking thoughts if you want, but Diana Galvedon was writing this book in the 90s, knew about American Girl dolls, knew about Felicity, and made that choice. I will not be convinced otherwise. <laughs> oh my god, it would be just like her, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. <sighs> okay. Hi, it's low-hanging fruit. Um, Ian's return, we kind of talked about that, too. That I had that in all caps on mine. Yes. I love Important. the Ian shit. Ian is such a good fucking character. I, like, kind of forgot about him. Like, when they let him go, I thought we were going to get him back, and then I forgot. Yeah. So I was pretty delighted to see him. They brought him back early, which was one of the absolute best adaptive choices they made this season. And I had a mm. feeling all season they were going to bring him back because there's no reason to wait until next season. But yep. I was still so fucking happy to see him. Mm. Um, so the last episode had a, like, 60s dream sequence. Mm. And this was just a high for... The, like, costuming yes. and the set decoration, it was awesome. I kind of wanted to just, like, linger there. And the then... Easter eggs were top-notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I wanted them to give us a Mad Men crossover. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Kelsey and I had a whole conversation in our Slack about yes, how did. Claire would be such a good Mad Men, Mad Men character. Mm-hmm. The only thing I was sad about was that we didn't get Jamie in 60s yeah. attire. Yeah. But and I get I, it. I I did kind of dig old-timey Jamie, but in a mid-century apartment. I didn't because his wig was so bad. The wig is difficult, but the rest of it was worth it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I liked I liked that choice. I don't like that plot, but that was yeah. a good episode of television. Yes. That leads me to my next high. Ooh, great. Okay. Which is still out for <laughs> the jury's out. <laughs> but um my personal campaign Salmon Cat Save Outlander. <laughs> yeah! There is some real promise to the idea that they will be the ones who save Outlander. Like, there were some noteworthy changes in... This is going to be, like, a longer conversation, but I guess we can go into this. Yeah, there were it's some one of my lows. There were some changes in quality. I would identify beginning with that battle episode. Was that the GG episode? No... No? The the one where Murtaugh dies. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. That one was top-notch for me. That was a great episode. And then the last two episodes had problems. <laughs> but mm -hmm. there was mm -hmm. some sort of sense to them that I can't totally put my finger on. But they were doing some things that were good things. Yes. And they said the last two episodes were the ones that counted. 
in terms yep. of their influence. And and they were not wrong. They were not wrong. So, we'll see what season six holds, but I have a an ounce of hope. Yeah. The thing about this fucking show is that when it works, it can, like, really, really make you feel things. Mm-hmm. And so if it could just fucking work, like, even 70 to 80% of the time, mm-hmm. I would be fine with that. Because in in older Outlander, there were episodes that were not as affecting as others, which is like a fair rhythm yeah. for television. And those mm-hmm. episodes tended to have at least like hijinks or like other joyful or otherwise interesting things. And yeah. that I think is what we're missing in the pacing is it's like dead weight plot or the things that make you feel things. Yeah. As opposed to like fun interludes and then the things that make you feel things. I agree. Oh, there were no fun interludes in the last <laughs> There were well, there were no fun interludes in this season at all. But Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> this was not a season that had any time for fun. No. Um it's but, so sad. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much my highs. Okay. Well my highs uh my highs were mostly conceptual, but in terms of low hanging fruit the moment where Marsley kills uh, the brown guy, whatever his name was. Yeah. Brown town clown. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts <laughs> vulture recapper. That one. Um, that, that was great. Mm-hmm. And then that's all I have for low-hanging fruit that we haven't already covered. The other thing I have, which I've already kind of said, was that there were several moments that really stood out this season that just like it like hit me like a brick in the face with a reminder that this show makes me feel things mm-hmm. <laughs> like when this show is good i have a full reaction to it like it engages <laughs> my brain it engages my body <laughs> i like feel feelings and that is incredible mm. And I've been, even before I was a book reader, I was watching the show just to kind of see where we were headed, like in a very plot focused way. Mm-hmm. Because by season four, we had sort of moved past the season one version of Outlander where it it was driven by the things that makes you feel. Yeah. So it was just nice to have these moments where it was like, where it reminded me that the whole point of this whole goddamn mess <laughs> is that it, is that it actually makes me feel things. <laughs> is there a certain thing that made you feel things the most? Um. So, uh, I mean, I have a bunch of examples written down. I'm not going to read them all. Um, most of them were Jamie related. I have a note mm. after, like, the fourth item on the list that just says, okay, they're all Jamie moments. <laughs> whoops um like the entire episode written by dg the second to last episode mm-hmm. made me feel so many things mm. um and that that's was a just, good one 
that's just because she understands how to pace and deploy things in a way that it manipulates you. Mm-hmm. And that's what the show lacks a lot of the time. Yeah. Um. The Probably the most, like, one random moment was, like, when uh, when he's praying to Dougal in the river. Mm-hmm. That is such a good moment in the books, and they also did a really good job with it in the show, even though the circumstances were a little different, because um, at the time Murtaugh was still alive. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, this quiet moment where they don't give you too much, but it just reminds you of everything that's happened to this person and all of the complexity to all of his relationships. Just, Mm. like, gives you some meat. (laughs) And it it gives you some meat. And then it also gives you some meat, because, yes, he is naked (laughs) in a river. He had pants on. I'm pretty sure in the books they then have river sex, and if it's the scene I'm thinking of, it is a particularly good sex scene. Why didn't we get that? I was upset about that. There is, I'm pretty sure it's this one, but there is, like, a specific river sex scene that's, like, particularly good that we haven't gotten yet, and, like, I could really use it. (laughs) Couldn't we all? (laughs) Couldn't we all? (laughs) God damn it. Um, the last the last thing that like really made me feel the stuff is that moment at the end of the finale when jamie has the monologue about when the day shall come Mm. that we do part blah 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 i'm not gonna repeat it it's cheesy yeah but it was one of those fucking moments that i have with (laughs) outlander all the goddamn time where i was like Dear God, this shouldn't do it for me, but, like, oh, my God. That one didn't do it for me, honestly. It did it for me when I read it in the book. It did it for me in the episode. I had also, the night before, just reread the uh, Lord, You Gave Me a Rare Woman and I Loved Her Well scene. Mm -hmm. So it could have been residual. (laughs) The sentiment isn't wrong. It just... There, a lot had happened at that point, and I was like, I, I can't right now with this. I just, I don't know. There's, like, something, like, almost reflexive, I think, about when they give those two characters a quiet moment mm-hmm. where, like, nothing's on fire, no one's dying. And they let Jamie let his guard down and just profess the hell out of all of his love for her. I liked it when he was leaving for battle and they had some sort of sappy moment and then he's like, I know I'm, we're going to part someday, but that's not going to be today. Yeah, that was a good one, too. <laughs> <Just> walked off. <laughs> like, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Bitch, bye. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That was my high. They were was both the- very good with the shitty ass material that they had in a lot of this. Season. Yeah, they are. And some good material, truly. I I said this early on in our time with Outlander, but like these two really are perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for for the show. Maybe not as. <laughs> yes, fair, fair. <laughs> Let's not rile up. Disclaimer, any. disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. There are no, no fandom scandals fans today, yet, please. But you never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Choose your own quarantine adventure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm way too hung up in the Chrissy Teigen, Allison Roman stuff to be too worried about the Sam Hewen stuff right now. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was really good in this last episode. He was so good. He was so good. And in the, the one where Murtaugh dies. Yep. I think he was, like, consistent the whole season. Hmm. Like, I think he has become a far more consistent actor, at least in Outlander context. (laughs) Disclaimer, disclaimer. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to be, like, an expert on (laughs) Sam Hewen's career. Although I think of the fandom, I'm probably pretty close. (laughs) yeah yeah i did have some like character beef in this finale episode with him though oh yeah yeah tell me about that i just felt like it was i don't think he would have left her alone for days on end afterwards to travel off to brown town you mean yeah, and to, like, when she's just, like, wandering around in the fucking, with that guy in the surgery, and then, like, having meltdowns. I just feel like that he wouldn't have left her alone. <laughs> I just felt like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he would have been, like, more protective. Well, like, when he was on the brink of death, she didn't leave him alone. Yeah. I don't know. I was I was just wondering where he was that whole time. He was having man beef. Yeah, but that was after. I mean, he was having man beef during. I don't know. He was still part of the clan sad boy. <laughs> Lots so. of sad boy stuff. <laughs> Speaking of lows. Yeah. Do you have any other highs you want to highlight before we no, keep, that was all keep on going? Yeah. Alright. What what do you have for lows? Do you have any low-hanging, low fruit? Um, I have, like, I have two lows that really just amount to one. And that low is the continued existence of <laughs> Matthew slash mustache B. Roberts as the showrunner of this show. God bless you. (laughs) I just fucking can't. Like, all season, which this is one of my, this is one of my big gripes. And we'll, so we'll get to it. But all season, I was like watching the upcoming episode for who the writer and director was. Because it was Mm. like, if it's an MBR episode, I fucking already know where I'm going to be. (laughs) if it's like if it's an unknown person then like i'm open-minded if it's a tony episode i'm open-minded if it's like whoever the fuck else we'll see but if it's an mbr episode then like fuck me yeah (laughs) 
But then there were all of these other episodes that were not MBR episodes, but where you just get these little mustache moments. Mm-hmm. Trademark. Mustache Trademark. moment. Where, like, so the 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 main example I wrote down, because I just think it's been hard to describe when I've complained about this before, like I did in last episode about inside yeah. the episodes. It's been hard to describe exactly how this manifests, but in it's this, it's like ep- the most on the nose thing. Yeah. That so you here's can think the example. Of. So Jamie gets a band of men to go and find the Browns who have Claire, and they go and find her, and she's been brutalized, and that's bad. So Jamie and all the men with him kill all of the Browns' men. Yeah. In revenge, then they all go back to the ridge. And Roger and Bree are in their cabin, and Bree's just been with Claire, and so Roger's, like, asking her about it. And, you know, everyone's having a tough time. And they go to bed, and he lays down in bed, and he's like, Bree, I gotta talk. I gotta tell you what happened out there. And she's like, all right. And he's like, blow out the candle. And there's been all this buildup. Where you can see the fear on her face, and you can hear how he's, like, kind of reluctant but needs to do the thing. And so it's like, okay, we're going to get this confession. And she blows out the candle. Now, in most television shows, yep, she's going to blow out the candle and you're going to cut to the next scene. Because we all know what he's going to say to her. Because we saw it. We saw it happen, and it's been foreshadowed all season that Roger's yep. going to kill a guy. Yep. We've talked so many times about how Roger's never killed anyone, and then he's had all these chances to kill people. He was supposed to kill Stephen Bonnet, and then Bree killed Stephen Bonnet. So, like, obviously he was going to kill someone. Also, we watched them all kill everybody. So she blows out, he says, blow out the candle. She belabors, picking up the candle, taking a real big breath, blowing it out. Then there's a beat where it's dark in the room. And then Roger just says, I killed a man. Then we cut. And it's like, motherfucking mustache B. Roberts. Did you have to? Did you have to? Like, when we talked last season about the lack of trust that MBR in particular have in the audience, like, that's what we meant. Like, mm-hmm. did you really think that we would not have been able to figure out that Roger was going to disclose that it was really brutal what they did in the woods there and that that was troubling to him. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was that was real upsetting to me. That was a big fat bummer. My favorite example of his mustachey behavior is was it last season when Lord John Gray <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly the same thing. It's something to the effect of Lord John Gray is in the closet because it's 1770, whatever. Yeah. And Claire says something about somebody being born this way. Yep. And they pan to his face, which is plenty. Yep. That's all we needed. We all get yeah. it. And because, like, the point of it, too, is that Claire is sort of saying that, like, pointedly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the whole point is she is trying to imply that she gets it and that she's cool. Right. Right. 
And then yeah. he has to physically say, like, so was so I. Was I. <laughs> like, yeah. no. No. Like, we get it. I would look at that on a page and laugh. I did laugh. I laughed out loud at that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And then the other, like, example of how mustache ruined it for me is all is the fake time travel stuff. Like, mm. I know I complained about this to you already. I don't know if it's a book spoiler or not, but, like, that's that's not what happens in the book. Right now was mm. a weird time to introduce the idea. Mm-hmm. And... And it was, like, really flimsy. Like, it uh, it was a, a bizarre choice that I can't find any explanation for so far. It didn't feel like they committed to the idea of them leaving enough for me to believe that they were actually leaving. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people called it after last episode that the first thing Jemmy would see was Ian because they didn't yeah. actually travel. Which mm-hmm. is a bizarre choice because all season they had Roger being, like, super aggressive about the idea of travel. And, like, they had this this um, dynamic set up where it was, like, Roger basically dictated that obviously they had to go back and Bree didn't want to, but she was going to give in to it because he was so determined. But then he was hung, so they had to because he had this trauma. And then it went yeah. from there, so obviously it was a foregone conclusion. Which, again, mm-hmm. is, like, not – that is a show choice. That is a show yeah. characterization of the um, level of thought and reason that goes into whether or not <laughs> Bree and Roger think it's a good idea to be in the past or future at any given time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you have to imagine for people who have now had experience in both places – is complicated, right? <laughs> right. But the show makes it very uncomplicated. And then it's like, well, fuck it. I guess we're going to go back to the future now by just kidding because the ridge is home. There's no place yeah. like home. And then suddenly, like, their existential crises and their career drama is, like, gone because... Yeah. That's home. We're home. We thought the ridge was home all along. Surprise. Now we walk arm-in-arm reciting poetry and grinning all the time. Ugh, vomit. Yeah. Lots of really unnecessary heavy-handed literary references this season. Yeah. I don't know who those were for. (laughs) Not me. Not me. For sure not me. No, thank you. Can I tell you my last petty thought? Yes, please. Jamie's brown fucking coat. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? He had this weird-ass leather coat that was simultaneously too big and too small for him. It made him look like a... Like a Hagrid, is what I called it. Yeah! Big Hagrid energy. Yeah. That's not what you want. That's not what you want on Sam Hewen. No. Jamie Fraser is a large, attractive man (laughs) who looks very good in leather coats. (laughs) There's no excuse for this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. 
He looked really good in that red coat, even though it was problematic. He did look good in the red coat. It was problematic. <laughs> and that, that episode actually, like, made me feel a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing about the dream I had last night. <laughs> it's fine. Let's move on. It's fine. That's a high for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. It wasn't a sex dream. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready for my lows? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Where do we start? <laughs> Mustaches, silent film, and general commentary we know about. Yeah. I just kind of ignored the silent film thing. I think that's that speaks for itself. Yeah, if you want more details, go and listen to last week's episode. Yeah, and also go anywhere on the internet. Yeah. Um, pacing, we talked about a lot. But also just, like, time is meaningless. <laughs> so meaningless. It made it I'm... very confusing and complicated, and I don't understand why they couldn't, like, give any sense to the timing. Because it's not that hard. <laughs> It's not, uh-oh. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> like, I'm watching a lot of ER right now, and mm-hmm. on ER, it was week to week, and they would say, oh yeah, next week I'm gonna go do that, and then yep. the next episode they do it. <laughs> and like, you don't have to be that literal, but also this didn't work for me. <laughs> well, in theory, right now time is like, kind of meaningful because the one thing this season seems to have forgotten is that we are still marching towards Jamie and Claire's supposed death date. And the Revolutionary War. And the Revolutionary War. That also, yes, is a large plot point. Yeah. With a timestamp. Mm-hmm. So understanding how all of this, especially like the regulator stuff, because the whole point of Jamie's tension is supposed to be that he has to play along with the British until the exact right moment to jump right. ship so that he protects himself in all events. And right. the timing of that matters quite a bit. Uh-huh. Especially for people who don't have highly specific knowledge of pre-revolutionary war history in the backwoods of South Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina, whatever. You've said South Carolina like four times. I just don't want the fandom to come after us. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. I don't care about the Carolinas circa (laughs) the 1700s. Those of us who were raised in New England were taught that the Revolutionary War started here. Not in North Carolina. (laughs) I, when I, one of the times I went to Charleston, I was standing in front of a plaque at, like, the harbor that said something about some Revolutionary War bullshit. And I turned to my friend, who's from the South and was living in Charleston, and I was like, you know, this is buck wild to me, because the Revolutionary War belongs to New England. And she had no idea what I was talking about, but I was like, the Revolutionary War is ours. We get to have it. Yeah. You yeah. guys all have the Civil War. We get the Revolution. <laughs> We get the less problematic one. 
over here in the north fucking east, buried in snow. The only thing we yeah. have to our names is the fact that you only have this country because of us. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Anyway. 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 So that's what's happening there in terms of my personal biases. Um, so they're in North Carolina. Yeah. And um, having a sense of time would have been helpful so that we understand what kind of pressure the ridge is under. Right. And also how close we are to the moment when Jamie and Claire are supposed to die. Because that's like, that was the whole point of a lot of things. Well, and also baby Felicity, an American girl, is going to be eligible to be an American girl. <laughs> well, also what like, year is it? Like, I don't Orsley know. gives birth in the woods, and then, like, three episodes later, she's pregnant again and killing a man. Yeah, I literally <laughs> like, can't. Cannot. <laughs> like, in some sense of time, would have helped with that one, too. Sure would have. It interrupts just some... It, like, makes it difficult to suspend your disbelief in, like, very basic and small and seemingly trivial ways. But it, it like, permeates everything. It also just really, like, shows their hand in terms of, like, how plot-driven they're being and how much ground they're trying to cover. Yeah. It's literally a checklist approach. Yeah. Okay. More lows. Roger as a person, we've been over this. He sucks. He sucks. I hate him. And they did him no favors in the show. There's a whole thing in the fandom that show Roger is worse than book Roger. I actually argue that book Roger is work- worse than show Roger, but book Roger has some narrative tension he can at least work with. So hmm. anyway, Roger is bad. Roger sucks. Yeah. Um, The Beardsley episode, I really hated Oh, yeah? Yeah. Some people Adaptively, liked it. Adaptively, it was a good episode. I just didn't need any of it. It felt like filler. It was filler, but it was filler that is important in the fandom. Again, they had they had to. But, but it wasn't they- it wasn't their worst adaptive choice. They they yeah, aren't it just they aren't doing anything with the Beardsleys, but the Beardsleys hang around for a while. Yeah, they will remain I significant. I don't really mind the Beardsleys. I just didn't like that we spent an hour on this fucking sidebar trip for no reason to rescue people that we don't care about. Yeah, that's one of those awkward things too. Where like that, all of the Beardsley stuff, including, um. All of the Beardsley stuff is important in having the backstory matters because you have to remember the backstory mm-hmm. for future stuff. But they didn't do anything with the Beardsleys yet, so I don't really know to what end. Yeah. I don't know. It felt to me like something that could have just been slashed or condensed, but what do I know? Yeah. I certainly didn't need, like, Claire and Jamie, like, traipsing around with their fucking baby Bjorn with this random baby and then being like, should we have another kid? (laughs) Yeah, I alluded this, I alluded to this in a Slack conversation with you earlier, but that's like, um, 
more different weird thing in the book also. Yeah. Not necessarily for the better. Yeah. 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 Um, Philip Wiley is a person. Didn't need him. <laughs> no, we don't need we him in the book either. Way too much time with him. And so also the time. horse stable sex was so bad. So I'd bad. Not have it at so all. bad. I don't even remember that scene in the book, but the fandom was like, it was so much better in the book. I was like, I really doubt it somehow. I did like all the petty drama related to that scene. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Um, all the sad boys we talked about, they were just yeah. fucking boring and all the same by the end of it. Yep. Um, heavy-handed metaphors, this goes back to NBR, but like the thunderstorm rolling in, didn't need it. Nope. Didn't need it. Nope. Um... The resurrection handjob. So good. That whole episode, like, didn't really work for me. But, like, no. That, that whole arc in the book also didn't work for me. I was so pissed <laughs> that whole time because I was totally like, oh, my God, I get it. They keep almost dying and they have to keep right. bringing each other back from the brink of death. I'm so bored of near-death experiences. Right. And we, oh. it was like that episode, then we had Stephen Bonnet, then we had this rapey thing, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, can we just not? Yeah, that was like, it was like four in a row, uh, five in a row? How, it, it was basically from the time that Roger was hung. Oh, Roger. I just forget about him because I yeah. don't care. Like, they f- discover that Roger's been hung, that was a battle episode. Yeah. And they end it with him hanging in a tree. And then the next episode is him recovering from his trauma. And then the next episode is Jamie gets bit by, by a rattlesnake and almost dies. And then yeah. the next episode is Bree gets kidnapped by Stephen Bonnet. And then she has to kill him. And then the yeah. next episode is everyone's back at the ridge. And I don't remember what happens, but the end, Claire gets back. kidnapped. Yeah. And then the last episode is Claire gets raped a lot. And other stuff happens yeah the rapey bits was also in my list as like a big hard why so why so why i really didn't need it they it didn't even feel like they were trying to do something with it like no, I, no. and i mean that like the the brie one again there's like too many but that one from a directional standpoint, they were trying to show all the people who knew what was going on and would do nothing and not help her and whatever. Yeah. There was, like, they were going for something. Yeah. And then she gets closure at the end of all of it, and, like, she gets to regain her own power, and... Mm. Sure. Yeah. This one just felt even more gratuitous. Yeah, and I I told you this, but I felt that way when I read it in the book. I have read all eight books. I still don't see the logic behind it. The only thing I can figure is that DG was like, well, Claire's the only one left I haven't raped yet, so mm. here we go. It's so boring. Like, it felt obligatory. Um, yeah. And so she she has the scene where she, like, lists off every horrible thing that's ever happened to her. Yeah. And when that scene happened in the book, like, it's a good monologue. Mm-hmm. 
But when that scene happened in the book, I, like, took a break and was like, wasn't that enough, DG? <laughs> like, do you not hear yourself sometimes? Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Other low Stephen Bonnet, like, that whole episode was unnecessary. One other adaptive choice that I am grateful for is that in the book, he is around through book six. Yeah. And I am so grateful that they just went ahead and took care of this this season, because there's no good reason yeah. for him to have hung around another season. He's so boring. Yeah, yeah. And, like, him looming over the whole season was also annoying to me, because I'm like, just get to it. Like, Yeah, that was exhausting. We already know what's going to happen. Right. Um, the one thing I always think about, I think about it with Stephen Bonnet, and I think about it with Mustache in general, is that my introduction to Mustache was at the beginning of whatever fucking season that Stephen Bonnet shows up in, when he mm -hmm. was like, we got a worse one than Blackjack Randall. Ugh. You thought Blackjack was bad. Just mm -hmm. you wait. And you and I talked about it in an episode at the time that, like, if if all you have to, like, your villain is a pissing match with the other villains, then you've already kind of done it wrong. Yeah. We don't need to, like, one-up each other. Every There's time not a lot of nuance villain. to this one. No. But. Yeah. All right, are you ready for my last low? I'm ready. You already know about it. This is the pettiest one. Okay. All the goddamn singing. <laughs> <laughs> The theme song was my least favorite theme song they will ever do. That's a bold statement. I hated it so much. I It makes me angry. <laughs> you know what's funny is I didn't, like, I never liked it, but I didn't mind it until about three episodes ago. And I, I turned it on that day, and for whatever goddamn reason, I snapped. And I was like, not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> So there was that. Yeah. Roger singing every episode for, like, weeks. Yep. Because it's his gift. They were worried that you wouldn't understand what was at stake when he lost his voice. Clementine, the song. <laughs> Whatever the fuck it's actually called. I don't understand why that became, like, their song. I don't either. But I didn't need it the first time. Definitely didn't need it the second time, and for sure did not need it in the credits as a duet. <laughs> no, no, no. So many people afterwards were like, Sophie Skelton has such a beautiful voice. It's like, that may be, but no thank you. No thank you. If I wanted singing, I would watch The Voice. <laughs> By the way, Eurovi Eurovision is next weekend, so that's your, it like, sure teaser is. for... <laughs> upcoming content yeah <laughs> yeah never mind that they opened the season with the song that opens the parent trap except roger was singing it like yeah this is a personal attack you had a whole a whole journey i had a journey it was not good <laughs> okay i'm done griping I thought I had one more, but I can't remember it now. It's fine. Um, 
so last thing we should touch on is sure. what what's going on with the show? What are our thoughts about season six and what is like going on with the show? Because I think there's some network tomfuckery that has hands in a lot of the things we've spent time griping about. Yes. I agree. So, mm-hmm. I know we looked in Slack, so the mm-hmm. people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking at the um, viewership of this season compared to past seasons, and it is down. Way down. To, like, as low or lower than season one. Mm-hmm. Consistently. And they didn't have the last three or so episodes in this data, but um, I think it speaks for itself that it's possible that the network is starting to be concerned that the show's on the down slope. Mm-hmm. And, um... For what it's I worth, know, I like, don't think that would be true if it weren't for Mustache. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who they would replace him with. <laughs> Fair. But yeah. I, I think, think if they just handed it, it to Tony and Meryl, it would be a completely different story. But anyway. I also just feel like the... the I don't know what the future holds in this series, but my feeling is that the quality of the narrative in the source material drops off. A lot of the motivation to remain in the universe from uh, book four-ish, maybe five onward really is just to spend time with Jamie and Claire. It really, it's like, there's something very gratifying about like the homesteading stuff, Mm -hmm. but it probably doesn't always make for great television (laughs) well my concern is like that's not even really what they're spending their time on like they're no they seem to be missing the point (laughs) right the point in case anyone was wondering is that watching jamie and claire be in love is fun and so i just want them to be on their fun homestead being in love with the occasional minor inconvenience and that's really all i'm here for yeah yeah like there's a lot they could do i would imagine (laughs) that they don't spend time on and instead they're like the regulators like this season felt to me like i think i told you this (laughs) but it felt to me like star wars episode one the phantom menace when they tried to get me interested in trade federations and that's not what you come to star wars for no in the same sense, I don't come to Outlander for, like, political intrigue and or regulators and militia drama. Which, in fairness, was Kelsey's number one gripe about season two also. So she has been consistent in this dance for a long time. hmm Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would much rather them be... Like, I don't even care if they want to have their, like, family drama with Roger and Brie, like fine (laughs) i guess but they just seem to be grasping at like plot when they should be grasping at more of like a character arc and like trying to find the things that harken back yeah there needs to be like more of an exploration behind intent Mm mm-hmm 
Um, so a couple of things. So viewership is down. Um, Kat and Sam have continued to get like more famous. And so it's rumored that there's a lot of fear among the production team, but also among the execs at Stars that mm-hmm. they just, you know, eventually would get tired of the show. Yeah. And for their part, they've both hinted heavily in interviews that they would stay on the show as long as the show runs, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's paying the bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like. Um, the last time there was a renewal was in season four, and Stars went ahead and renewed five and six in one go. Yeah. Kat has supposedly let it slip in an interview that she's already under contract for season seven. But there's no other evidence of a season seven so far. Mm. And there are lots and lots of rumors right now of spinoff series. Um, There was also some drama in the fandom because uh, What's-His-Face, who plays John Gray, posted that he had had a series rap, Mm -hmm. which everyone got nervous about because Lord John Gray is is a very big presence in books six, seven, and eight. Yeah. Um, and so now there's speculation that one, it was misdirection, and two, it's only a series wrap because of spinoffs. Mm. Take that for what you will. I don't know, like, if people aren't watching the core show, what makes them think that they're going to watch a spinoff? I think the same moment of insanity that made DG write the spinoff to begin with. Mm. Like, this feels to me like Walking Dead syndrome. <laughs> yes. Where AMC just put all their eggs in that basket and made, like, seven yeah. different iterations of that garbage. Well, it's the same bullshit with Game of Thrones, too. It's like, oh, people like Game of Thrones, so clearly they want to spend more time in the lore. Yeah. Like, eh, I would have just liked it better if you'd made a better core story, actually. Right. So one thing that I thought was telling is that MBR said in (sighs) podcast, maybe, or maybe it was inside the dick, or maybe it was an interview. I don't know. He said somewhere that they had to fit a lot into season five because he knew where he wanted to get in season six and they had to position themselves accordingly. And that was telling to me because, number one, it showed that his attitude is basically that nothing matters. Um... Like, he didn't think season five mattered in its own right. It was just filler to do whatever he felt he needed to do in season six. Yeah. So that's fucked up. Um, But also, it tells me, my read on it was that he is a little scared about timing. And so he wanted to purposefully cut some stuff out so that season six can either be elongated or shortened if they don't think they're going to get all the way to season eight. Hmm. I mean, I don't know that any show needs eight seasons. <laughs> no, I, I think I max out on the majority of shows by four to five and six is usually the season when I really start to tap out. Yeah. And I yeah. caveat that like at, a season of this duration <laughs> and this type of show. No, I'd apply that to most shows. I don't know. We're on like season eight of Letterkenny right now, and it's 
still firing on all cylinders, but it also only has six. It has six episodes per season, and there's two seasons a year. Okay, I did not know this about it. That is nice. So take that for a format um, <laughs> and run with it. But No, I would say it's like a, for me, it's an exception to the rule if I like a show beyond like six seasons. Hmm. Five to six seems like a steep drop-off point, which I feel the same way reading the fucking books. Like, there is a drop-off yeah. point where I'm like, I don't actually know why I'm still reading this. Um, I'm, It's yeah. like I'm reading it from individual moments. I read the first three and the fourth one. I was just like, no. <laughs> I was like, you don't actually have to do this. No one's forcing you to watch, to read this. Great. And then as I was reading the rest of them, I kept texting Kelsey and being like, oh, my God, this is the worst. And she would be like, you can just stop. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm secretly enjoying parts of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious what's at play and, like, to me, if you're going to fight with management to get EP credit, mm-hmm. and specifically, like, EP authority, not just the nameplate, I feel like that means you're invested enough to stay. I but do you want to think... see some serious changes with what's happening, for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think the gossip supports that. Like, I think there are people at at a lot of different levels of the show who think that there's something really special in the show, but who have some serious issues with the leadership. Yeah. Which is a correct read on the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, like you, hope that Sam and Kat taking the reins and really trying to save the show <laughs> has some payoff. Because I do yeah. think Outlander is, has, I think Outlander is good. <laughs> I like this fucking hot mess. <laughs> Someone just needs to save it from itself. Yeah. I'm so lukewarm. I spent most of the season just being mad at it. Yeah. I had, like, like I would still watch it, but I don't feel the same way about it that I've felt in the past, and I feel like it's continuing to be meh. <laughs> to me, it has some stuff in common with the Harry Potters in the sense that there's a division in my mind. Yeah. So, like, season one through the first half of season three yeah, is what I think of when I think about Outlander in a certain way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is my one true Outlander. Yeah. And then the second half of season three, like, when they get on the boat onward is like a new outlander a new worse outlander (laughs) yeah a new different outlander it's not (laughs) always worse it's just for sure not not the same yeah i like a lot of fraser's ridge stuff they sucked me in i don't I they spend can't. so much time in the book just puttering around homesteading together and, like, being warm by the fire together. And <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> I can't get over their, like, trend-forward wallpaper. Yeah, I agree. Their house with... is really out of control. The house is 
fucking insane. And nobody did anyone any favors with that set design. No. That was a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I feel like next season has an opportunity to diverge in like a pretty big way. Yeah. And there is I've struggled to explain this to you without like being able to go into detail right. because of spoilers, but there are some storylines that come up that I wouldn't have read a story for on their own, but since I'm already in this world with these characters, they are storylines that were like, that had stakes. (laughs) That's what I'll say. (laughs) They were storylines that had stakes um, that I at times was interested in, or like there are things that I can think about that, you could talk about that you could like do stuff with like storylines that have promise. Yeah. And so I think in the right hands with the right direction, it could make some for some really good television. Mm. Good television could happen. I do feel more hopeful than I have all season in the past couple of weeks. Yes. And that that's what I hope because I think, DG just needs a better editor, and the show could have been her editor this whole time. But so, they've like, chosen not to be, and it's really frustrating. Right. It has chosen not to be, and, like, now is their chance. And yeah. if if done right, even if they condense it because they don't get three more seasons, mm-hmm. they're still... They've taken out, actually, a lot of dead weight, and so yeah. they could be well-positioned to do some of these things reasonably well in two more seasons if they had to Mm. obviously book nine hasn't come out yet so none of us actually know where any of this is headed but right interesting well any other thoughts in this hour and 45 minute episode yeah good fucking luck to you this is gonna be a edit what you can and fuck the rest situation yeah basically uh no that's it i had a lot of thoughts and feelings and mostly i was mad a lot of the time yep yep and i'm gonna keep watching it because i'm in too deep (laughs) god help me yes also i fucking love the show i don't know how they keep doing it to me i just love (laughs) season one of the show but also i'm still here you're still here we're trapped we're trapped do you think this show, like, what percent would this show be improved by if we could have Jamie walk down the vestibule between the two sides of the house every episode? Mm-hmm. You like, know, with they, purpose. They almost captured that, except he had his back to us. I know. He, like, when, he, when they're <laughs> assembling to go get the browns, he, like... Mm-hmm walks into frame and looks a guy in the eye and then he like turns swiftly and walks down the hallway and if he was just walking the other way man yep mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah <laughs> let jamie walk down more hallways <laughs> it's our official stance for <laughs> the official stance of hate watch with us <laughs> let sam human walk down more hallways yeah, always. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, if you have Outlander thoughts you want to share with us, please do so. You can tweet to us at HateWatchWithUs. You can email us, HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. You can visit our website and click the feedback button at HateWatchWithUs.com. Or you can tell us in a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel like you would like to do that for some reason. Um, (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. Where should they go if they don't want to hear about Outlander? (laughs) If you don't want to hear about Outlander, we have some friends over at the Thought Bubble Audio Network, and they talk about a lot of things that are decidedly not Outlander. Mm -hmm. Um, They have shows like Beer with Geeks and Academy Rewind and Supergirl TV Talk and um, Loud Women is also an incredible show. Mm -hmm. Um, And... They practice much better time management in all of their shows and also are not likely to rile up entire fandoms. So if you <laughs> They're are not tired getting of- one-star reviews because of the things they say in their podcast. <laughs> because they had some controversial feelings about Sam Hewen <laughs> and his short-lived indie film career. <laughs> At any rate, they are over at the Thought Bubble Audio Network, <laughs> thoughtbubbleaudio.com, thoughtbubblefm on Twitter, thoughtbubbleaudio@gmail.com, and you can also find them on Patreon if you would like to support their shows and therefore the infrastructure that keeps this godforsaken show on the internet for you. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole damn thing. I was going to ask you to sing us out, but... Nope. (laughs) Nope. We don't do that on this show. (laughs) I was going to do it, but now there's too much pressure. Yeah, no, please don't. I'll be upset. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take any more singing. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.